Welcome to the Devoted City Church podcast. Our mission is to help people find, trust, and follow Jesus. To learn more about our church, visit devotedcity.com. In today's episode, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Donnie Williams, or a member of our teaching team. Good morning, Devoted City. So good to be with you. If you have your Bibles, please open up to Genesis chapter 50. That's where we're going to spend most of our time. If you're online with us today, we're so incredibly thankful that you're joining us here at Devoted City Church. We're kicking off a new sermon series, just like Josh said, called Missing Peace. But before we do that, man, I just want to reiterate what Josh talked about with generosity. We're so thankful for the generosity of Devoted City Church. You guys are incredible. Not only are we able to do awesome things through Operation Christmas Child and Brentwood, but next week we need you to come back because we're going to be celebrating some community partners and we're going to be giving some really big financial gifts to those community partners. So man, we would love for you to come back next week and be a part of what God is doing here. So man, we just want to thank you so much because your generosity helps to move the mission of the church forward. And we're really about that. One of our core values here at Devoted City is simply city serving. Uh, We want no doubt of our motivation for serving our city to be the love of Jesus Christ. And so when we are generous as a church, we're able to now bless our city, our community, and even our world. So thank you all so much for your generosity because it means so much to who we are uh, as a church. So we're jumping in to a new sermon series. I'm so excited uh, to be kicking us off and it is called Missing Peace. And the whole idea of this sermon series is that we would lean into the idea that it feels like a lot of us right now are missing peace. Our world feels incredibly chaotic. It feels like the inside of a Bucky's, if we're really honest. I was coming back from Florida and my wife and I stopped at a Bucky's. Y'all, I've never seen so many people excited about a beaver. It's crazy, okay? There's so many people in there. It was absolutely chaotic. It was absolutely nuts. Our world kind of feels a little bit like that right now. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet with a gentleman who's a president of, uh, uh, of a college in Ukraine, and he talked about how right now his, his entire school has been flattened. They've had to move students uh, 500 miles away to be away from the war. I met with another gentleman last week uh, who went to Israel and said that things were just absolutely chaotic. When we're looking at our own country, we see a lot of political divide. We see uh, just so many things within our world. It just seems like everything is kind of crumbling and in our hearts we're feeling a little bit like we we're missing something like maybe we're missing uh, the peace that that only comes from Jesus and so we've we've looked at at that we've looked at our world and said man it just feels chaotic it just feels like there's so much going on and I think what it is is that we are ultimately missing peace and what we've done in our, and what our society has done, we've, we've sort of said, well, man, we're, we're just going to take this season that we're in now, the, the Christmas time season, and we're just going try to, to try to latch on to as much peace as we possibly can. So we begin to sort of fill in these little pieces, right? We're like, oh, man, yes, things are crazy, but, man, I can get my peppermint mocha from Starbucks now. Like, everything's going to be okay. I can relax. Or I can watch my Hallmark movies and, like, I'm going to be okay. Everything's going to be cool. Or there's like these Black Friday deals and those sorts of things. And we believe for some reason we think, oh, these things are going to bring me peace. Even if it's just for a second, these things are going to bring me peace. 
Well, the reality is, is that those things are temporary. Those things are fleeting. We will never be able to have true peace until we lift our hands and lift our eyes to the Prince of Peace. We will never be able to experience peace unless we actually go and seek the one who is the giver of peace. This is sort of how we've been saying it and how we're gonna say it here over the next couple of weeks. When we find the missing peace, P-I-E-C-E, we believe that's Jesus, then we'll be able to find our missing peace, P-E-A-C-E. So that when we decide to lean into Jesus, when we decide to live our lives living for the Prince of Peace, then the peace that we are missing in our own lives, we can actually obtain it. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about different areas of our lives where we may say, hey, I need, I need a little bit of peace here. And we're going to take some moments and we're going to take some time to really unpack that as we lead up to Christmas and we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so my prayer for us as we are walking through this text and as we're walking through uh, the next four weeks, man, I just pray that you'd be able to lean in a little bit to what our speakers are going to be talking about. Because, man, we, we really want to be a people who are peacemakers. We want Devoted City to be a place where people say, yeah, I go and I make peace because I recognize where that peace comes from. And as much as, man, I'm not saying that, 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 uh, that peppermint mochas and Hallmark movies are, those are good things, those are fun things, but man, but some of us, we are really desperate to find peace. And if we really want peace in our lives, we need to lean into what the Lord has for us in these next four weeks. So I'm excited for what God has in store for us. Today, what we're gonna do is we're going to talk about what it looks like when we are missing peace with other, when other individuals hurt us. I know that for us, I know that every single one of us in here, we have been hurt by someone or something. I know I have. Uh, there was a girl when I was in middle school. Her name was Sarah. She was incredibly sweet, and she said that she didn't want to go out on a date with me. That hurt me so bad. Still to this day. That's okay. It's all right. We're all good. I got my wife, Shelby. She's here somewhere. Thank God. All right. Um, so, um, but all of us have been hurt in some form, capacity, in some sort of way. And for some of us, those, those wounds are really deep. For some individuals, man, this is going to be a really tough message to hear today. Because the guy that we're going to be looking at in Joseph, man, he had a lot of bad things happen to him. And yet, Joseph's response was absolutely incredible. His response was, hey, you have harmed me, but I believe that God is going to do it for good. You've harmed me, you've hurt me, but I think God is going to do it for good. And so, man, that, that's really the, the heart of the message today is, man, in our hurt, in, in, the, in the ways that people have hurt us and have, have done things against us, what does it look like for the church to rise up and say, man, this is hard, evil exists, but in the same breath, man, God is so good. And so that's what we're going to be wrestling with uh, this morning. We're going we're gonna to walk through the text of Joseph and see what it means for us to live a life where we say, man, it is God who is first. It is God who is in control. And then how does that impact how we interact with those who have hurt us? For some of us, man, we just got off of Thanksgiving. Man, Thanksgiving, man, it, it may have felt really good, but Thanksgiving may have needed to turn into forgiving, if you know what I mean. We maybe needed to say, you know, I, I am thankful for my family and I do have some things, but, but for a lot of us, man, this, this week was, man, I, I've, I'm really angry with a couple of folks. <laughs> 
And so what does it look like for us to lean into that idea? What does it look like for us to say, man, I, I, I want to forgive, and I want to be the kind of people who do forgive? So if you're someone who likes uh, writing notes, um, this is sort of the main idea for our message today. It's simply this, forgiveness reveals God's sovereignty in the Christ follower. Forgiveness reveals God's sovereignty in the life of the Christ follower. Now that word sovereignty is a really big churchy word. All that simply means is authority. It means control. It means that when we are willing to forgive, we are able, we are looking at the Father and we're saying, God, you are in control. I can't, I can't dictate what has happened to me. I can't dictate the, the ways in which people have hurt you. But yet I am gonna recognize that you are in authority and that ultimately you are gonna work things out for your good. And so for us as Christ followers, we have to be able to lean in and ask the question, how are we supposed to respond to these things? And I think what we're gonna learn uh, from Joseph this morning is, is twofold. It's a couple of things. Number one is how we respond will tell us uh, something about our relationship with God. I think we're gonna learn a little bit about that today. And I also think that we're gonna learn what it looks like for us to increase our quality of life when we take the step to forgive others. I think both of those things are gonna be crucial because we're gonna learn a lot about who we are and what we believe about God. Man, if we're like, man, I, I really don't wanna lean into forgiveness. Man, people have done really bad things for me. Well, well hey, what does that say about your relationship with Jesus? Does that mean that, man, do you recognize what Jesus has done for you? Do you realize that he forgave you when, when you were doing wrong? And then, man, for some of us, man, we, we have such a hard time to forgive others that it is crumbling every relationship that we have now. We have such a hard time to forgive someone that it's now impacting the relationships and the individuals that we impact. Man, what does it look like for you to forgive so that you can let go of those things? and allow the Lord to work in your hearts today. Man, I'm excited for, for what we've got. So before we jump in to the text, I wanna give a little bit of a summary of the life of Joseph. So Joseph uh, was the son to a bunch of different kids, uh, but he was the favorite son. Is there a favorite child? Anyone favorite child? Yeah, I see you, yep. Kids, yep, yep, you're the favorite sometimes. But so, Joseph was the favorite child. Uh, everyone, uh, his father was, loved Joseph the most. So much so that he gave him uh, a coat of, of colors and it had all these different colors. Well, his brothers, they, they didn't like that. They didn't like the fact that Joseph was the favorite. So they did what any brother did. They sold him into slavery. And so, um, <laughs> so because of that, uh, Joseph was able to, he, he obviously suffered a lot. And so it was such a difficult time because Joseph was in slavery for a, a very long time. Um, and obviously, if, if someone were Joseph, they would think, well, that's obviously a harsh thing to do. So Joseph is uh, in slavery, and then one thing leads to another. Now Joseph is uh, working alongside an individual named Potiphar, and Potiphar um, has a wife, and that wife then accuses Joseph of sexual abuse. And so because of that, Joseph is now thrown into prison where he stays for over a decade. He's there for an incredibly long amount of time and he uh, is continuing to, to, to pray and, and do all of these things. 
Joseph has this really cool ability to be able to interpret dreams. And so uh, there's a couple of individuals, there's a baker and a cupbearer, and they realize that he's able to do sort of these cool things. And that little story, that, that understanding goes to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's like, hey, I think I might need someone like that. So they get Joseph out of jail and they take him to Pharaoh and they basically say, you're gonna be Pharaoh's right-hand man. So now, so now Joseph has all of this authority, right? He's, he's got, he, he, was, he was in the pit. He was uh, just pushed down. His brothers sold him into slavery. He was in prison for years. And now Joseph is, is triumphant and he is now sitting at the right hand of Pharaoh. But his brothers, they get a little bit concerned because they begin to realize, well, wait, we threw him into slavery and now he has all of this authority. So... I think Joseph is probably going to retaliate. And so what ends up happening is Joseph's father, Jacob, ends up dying. And obviously, as we've just said, Joseph, Jacob uh, loved Joseph so much. And so the brothers decide to write something to Joseph to try to get them to forgive him. And so that's where we pick up the story here in Genesis chapter 50. So this is what it says in Genesis chapter 50, starting in verse 15. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When, that, when their message came to him, Joseph wept. So Joseph's brothers, they are consumed with guilt and with fear. They realize that Joseph now has authority and so they are nervous because they believe that Joseph is gonna get them back for all of the wrongs that they did against Joseph. And so what they do is they write sort of this, this, this plea from Joseph's dead father that, hey, we, we, you need to forgive your brothers for what they've done. Well, well, Joseph's father didn't write that. That was the brothers who did that. So they're still, even now, trying to scheme and trying to get their way in order for Joseph to be able to take care of them. And so these brothers are continuing over and over and over again to try and push Joseph to do something that was never actually asked of his dad to do. And so because Joseph was close to his father, they believed that he would listen to his request and the brothers would release them from that fear and that guilt. So even now, the brothers are still wrestling with Joseph. And here's the thing. Joseph had every reason not to forgive them. Joseph had every reason to say, no, you threw me in a pit. You sold me into slavery. And that led to me going into prison. It's kind of like a kid. Like, I don't have any kids, but I'm sure we've got some parents. Like, you know, when your kid is always like, hey, uh, uh," they'll say something like, hey, what about this thing? And you say, you try to give them a reason. And they say, well, why? And it's like, well, because it's that, because of this, 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 and that, you give them a good reason. They say, well, why? And then they keep going, and then they say, why? And you keep going, you keep going, you keep going. Joseph, he could have kept going, and he didn't have to say, because I said so. Like, he just could have kept going and kept saying what it is that he wanted uh, to do. 
And because of that, they understood the brothers. They were like, well, we might be in big trouble here because Joseph has a lot of reasons to, to get us back. And so they come up with this letter. They tell, the, they tell Joseph about this and then Joseph weeps. Um, there's a couple of scholars who uh, talk about why they believe he wept. The first one was because they, Joseph now finds out that his, his father is dead. And so this letter probably uh, invokes some emotions. Another thing is um, they, may, they thought that because, because his brothers uh, had lied again, this is just a continuous theme uh, throughout uh, Joseph's life is that his brothers continue to lie. So he gets emotional about that. But then the last thing is, is some believe that um, Joseph cried because his, his brothers still haven't understood the fact that Joseph has already forgiven them. And so he wants them to be able to experience the grace and the mercy that comes from God. And they have not understood that yet. And so because they haven't understood God, Joseph then weeps. So whatever the reason is, we find out that, man, Joseph is really, really upset about this letter. And then it continues in verse 18. It says this, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? And so this is now where we lean into this idea of God's sovereignty. Joseph recognizes that he cannot take the place of God. He recognizes that as much as he wants authority and as much as in power he is at being at the right hand of Pharaoh, he recognizes that his authority is limited by the ultimate power of God. And so anything that that comes up in Joseph's life, he has to submit to what God has said in his word. And because of what God's word says, that's then how Joseph begins to live his life. And so when, when they say, hey, we are your slaves, Joseph is like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You do not have to be afraid because I am not in the place of God. And I think there's a quick little tidbit that we can learn about Joseph that I think we struggle with today. And that is, man, we, we really want to control how our lives turn out. We want to control how, what the outcome looks like. And man, some of us, man, we've, we've had some harm against us and we want to control what that looks like. But man, Joseph recognizes, he's like, man, I'm not in the place of God. I'm not the one who, who has the authority. I'm not the one who has the control. It is, it is God who has all authority. It's God who's able to, to, to move in the way that he moves. And Joseph recognizes that things are evil. He recognizes that bad things happen. And he's not denying that at all. He's not saying, well, you know, because bad things happen, then I'm no longer gonna live for the Lord. No, he actually turns closer to the Lord because of that recognition. And I think for some of us, man, we, we have a hard time with reconciling the idea that, that evil exists in our world and that in the same breath, God still has authority and rule and reign over it. Those are, bo- those are both and statements. They're not either or. And so Joseph recognizes that. He understands that. He understands that, man, things have happened to me, but I've got to let God do what God does. And so we continue. Joseph has the opportunity to play God with his brothers, but he recognizes that this would place him in a spot that was ultimately reserved for God. And to be honest, the first step that we as Christ followers need to take in order for us to recognize forgiveness is to recognize that whatever happens, happens. 
And that's really tough for some of us to hear today. Whatever happens, happens. We want to control the situation. In many ways, we want to control other people. And unfortunately, for for most of us, as a matter of fact, for each and every one of us, we just simply can't. And so whatever happens, happens. We have to be able to rely on the Lord. That's a very difficult truth. And Joseph had to recognize that. He had to know that. And so for us as Christ followers, our next question is, well, then what does it look like for us to truly lean into the Lord? What does it look like for us to to lean into the, the missing piece that's in our lives? And Joseph gives a response that I think is incredible and is so hard for us to live out, although it's a very simple concept for us to understand. This is what he says in verse 20. He says, Joseph says this to his brothers, you intended to harm me but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. So verse 20, I think, is is the whole crux of this entire message. That although Joseph's brother intended harm on him, he realized that God can turn that and turn it into good. That ultimately, that although his brothers still, even today, even in this, in this story, in this account, they are still looking to scheme. They're still looking to manipulate. God says, or Joseph says, no, God is gonna do an incredible work through me. And we see that in the life of Joseph, being in prison, being in the pit, and now at the right hand of Pharaoh. It's an incredible moment in scripture, one that is incredibly difficult for us to wrap our heads around. But Joseph insists that God's power and plan for his people is more powerful than the ability of mere human beings to do evil to one another. That ultimately Joseph understands. He says, I know that this is difficult and you intended harm on me, but you know what? God can take this harm and he can turn it into something good. I hope that's good news for someone here. I hope that someone can say, man, I, my road has been tough. I've had lots of things happen. I'm even going through it right now. And I don't know how God would ever intend for anything good to happen. And I get that. I can understand that. What's incredible is, man, Joseph was going through this suffering for over 20 years. I mean, imagine day after day after day after day of questioning, why would my brothers do that? Why would they do that for me? My own family, why would they go and do that? Man, this story is incredibly powerful. And for Joseph to say what he said is so incredibly tough, but man, it's so incredibly good. I think what Joseph said is that missing piece for us today. Because for some of us, man, we don't, we couldn't, we could never say that. I know I couldn't, I I know for me, it would be hard to say. Man, if I had something going on in my life, but hey, God's gonna intend it for good. Man, that's, that's not a very uh, good conversation to have with someone. It's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm going through a lot. Man, it's great, God, God's got you. <laughs> that's not a good conversation. That's not a fun conversation. And so although, man, this is true, man, this is, this is hard to hear. It can be difficult for us to understand this. Although evil was brought upon Joseph, he submits that God intended it for good. And Joseph trusts fully in God. And Joseph knows that God will come through even after decades of suffering. 
And then I love what the text says in verse 20. It says that God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, which is the saving of many lives. So the reason why that says that during this time in Joseph, there was a famine. They didn't have a lot of food. And so Joseph had the ability to be able to disperse food to different regions. And so as it says, he says he's going to take care of his brothers. So he's going to be able to give them food and ultimately save their lives because they will have what it is that they need. Y'all, this is such an incredible story. One of the reasons why I love it so much are the number of parallels that we see between Joseph and Jesus. Man, do we know somebody who, man, suffered so much, suffered greatly, man, who's thrown into the pit, man, who was treated like he shouldn't have been treated and then finally is able to come out, raised to the right hand of the most high leader and ultimately be able to save the lives of many. Man, this story is, is oozing with the idea of Jesus. That man, Joseph is, that Jesus is the better Joseph. That Jesus is the person who, who, who saved each and every one of us. When we did wrong against Christ, it was him who still saved us while we were still sinners. Man, what an incredibly powerful truth that we can live into today. That we have the ability to know who Jesus is and we're able to see a reflection of what that looks like in the life of Joseph. And so man, as we slowly but surely wrap up, I just wanna give you a couple things to consider as we leave because for some of us, man, this is going to be a hard thing to think through. What does it look like for, for me to, to, to start forgiving some individuals? And so I just want to give you a couple of things before we head out of here. Here's the first. Forgiveness reveals our sin towards one another. You may be hearing Joseph's story and you're like, man, Dom, I don't know if I'm the person who, who's really seeking forgiveness. Like I need to forgive somebody who's done something wrong against me. Man, I feel, like, I feel more like the brother. Like, I, I, need to, I need to ask for forgiveness in my own life. Like, I need to, I need to talk with, with that family member that maybe I wronged. Like, I need, to, I need to have a conversation and say, hey, I do apologize. Would you forgive me? You see, this story of forgiveness, it reveals our sin. We're able to recognize and look at ourselves and say, man, no matter what harm that we've gotten and what we've received from other people, man, we have harmed Jesus on the cross. And so what does it look like for us to turn our lives back to Christ? And our response to that is, man, what are, what are some places in my own life where I need to sit down and talk with someone and say, man, please, please forgive me for what I've done. That's number one. Forgiveness reveals our sin towards others. The second is this. Forgiveness allows us to fight the pain and move forward. No one ever said that forgiving somebody is easy. No one ever said that it's going to be a walk in the park. As a matter of fact, it's probably one of the most difficult things that we can do in our lives. But here's the thing, is when we're able to make the decision that we need to forgive, man, we now can fight the pain that we've experienced for so long. And it's gonna be a battle because Satan doesn't want you to do it. And so it's gonna be a, a blood, it, it, it's gonna be an absolute fight for you to be able to, to move past the pain. Absolutely. So you gotta be ready that when you wanna make that decision to forgive, be ready to fight because it's gonna be very, very difficult. And you're gonna be battling a lot of things emotionally in your hearts and in your minds. So lean into the idea that, man, I'm, I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna fight for forgiveness. And then the third thing is this, 
Forgiveness pushes us to see Jesus's forgiveness. We recognize that we are forgiven no matter what wrongs that we've done. We have the ability and the opportunity to be forgiven by Jesus. And so because of that, how should that change and alter our response to him? What does it look like for us to change our response, to lean more into the Lord recognizing, hey, evil exists. And let me be really clear. If we decide to take the step to forgive, that doesn't deny the consequences of the person who sinned against us. They still have to face the wrath of God one day, which is kind of a scary thing. But if we can recognize that, man, forgiveness is gonna help us to take the load off of our shoulders, man, I think, I think we as a church, I think we as a community, we're better Man, if one family decides like, man, I just wanna live a life of forgiveness, our city is better because of that. Our community is better because of that. So what does it look like for us to take the step today to say, man, I, I, I wanna take the weight of that off my shoulders. I need to take the step to forgive. And that's what I wanna push us towards and challenge us uh, as we wrap up. Are you missing peace because someone has hurt you? Are you, are you allowing the weight of the person who's hurt you to rob you of the peace that comes from the Prince of Peace? And what does it look like for you to take that step to say, man, I I want that peace. And the first step that we may need to take is to forgive. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Father, I pray that as we consider your word, God, I just thank you for the life of Joseph, for the fact that, man, he had a lot of things happen to him and yet he still decided to seek you. That God, I pray that if, if there's anyone here who needs, to, who needs to forgive, God, that they would take the steps to do that. That God, if there's somebody here who, who needs to ask for forgiveness, that they would take the step to do that. And that we as a church community can be individuals who make peace, who rely on the Prince of Peace in all things. And so Father, we're just incredibly thankful and grateful for the opportunities that we have to serve you now. We love you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Devoted City Church podcast. If you liked today's episode, rate us and subscribe so others can be encouraged too. We invite you to join us on a weekend at one of our locations or online at devotedcity.com.